Storytime Podcast. Original stories brought to you by original authors. First story. The Office 229. Forward. Growing up in high school, I always used to watch a show called The Office. First, I didn't get it, but as I got older and and got into the workplace, I couldn't help but gravitate toward this crazy but regular show about a group of people that worked at a paper company called Dunder Mifflin in Scranton. And I watched the entire series quite a few times. And at the end, I always get this feeling like I wish that it didn't have to end. So yesterday, today is uh, March 7th. It's about 6 in the morning exactly. Just spent the whole night in the studio. Life is a little crazy, but I had a dream had a dream and uh, very clearly the dream basically told me to continue the story so I woke up and that's what I did this is The Office 229 by Justin Davis fan fiction by the way fan fiction not in any way sanctioned or or approved by the makers of the office just written by a fan who loved the show chapter one dwight and michael both years older stand smiling in the corner of a barn at true farms dwight's hair is longer and thinning but a smile has more of a maniacal edge than usual Michael is in a blue suit and his hair is fully gray. He looks up at Dwight, grinning. Then he looks over at the camera. Where to this time? Michael says, winking at the camera. They need help with... Oh, shit. Dwight fumbles with a smartphone from his pocket and thumbs to an app. The reunion is in a few hours. Michael looks startled. Good God, how could I forget? Okay, we'll go and be right back. Dwight nods curtly and agrees. Then an idea blooms in his eyes behind his thick lenses. We could always use some help, he says. A bluish-purple light begins to shine off-screen. Michael thinks for a moment, then raises his eyebrows. You think? You think we should tell him? He says. Dwight shrugs. Maybe not all of them, but who knows? Michael purses his lips as the idea settles into his brain next to old rap songs and waffle recipes. Oh, why not? There's a futuristic sound and a pop. Cue music. Dunder Mifflin Paper Company. Jim and Pam walk into the office holding hands. The camera crew made up of a few new production members and some veterans from the old days pans to them. 
Pam smiles and waves sheepishly, quickly attempting to smooth out her dress. No one told me they'd be filming this, she mutters to Jim under her breath. Oh, come on, it'll be just like old times, Jim says, throwing a thumbs up to the camera. A little gray has crept into the red of Pam's hair, and the bags under Helper's eyes are a little bit heavier, but five years will do that to you. After the last reunion, the group has decided through email and text to at least try, keyword try, according to Daryl, to meet up every five years or so. The place looks largely the same. Same boring walls, same desk huddled together, same blinds to cover the office where Michael, and for the last few years, Dwight, doled out punishment. Pam runs her finger across the receptionist's desk and frowns slightly at the dust buildup on her fingertip. Jim looks over amused. Reminiscing? Because we can pull the kids out of school and move back here in a heartbeat, he says with a grin. Pam rolls her eyes. At least when I was here, I kept it a little clean. Jim chuckles. Please, you know how much gum used to be stuck under this thing at the end of the day? Pam pushes him playfully. Shut up. I used to be bored. Before they can take a trip further back down memory lane, Phyllis crushes them both with a huge hug. Hey guys, you made it, she says with a smile. Wow, Jim, you got fat, huh? Jim raises his eyebrows and looks at the camera briefly while slowly sucking his stomach in. Uh, thanks, Phyllis. Nice to see you, too. Unfazed by Jim's response, Phyllis grabs Jim and Pam's hands and pulls them into the meeting room. Dwight has decorated the place sparsely. A paper sign on the door reads, Office Reunion, No Plus Ones. Inside, Bob Vance, Andy, Angela, and her son Philip, now a tow-headed six-year-old sitting with his hands in his lap. Daryl, Toby, and Kevin sit eating cake and swapping stories. Angela is the first to notice them. She regards them with a disappointed look. You didn't bring the kids? I thought it'd be nice to have them play with Philip, Angela says. Pam steps forward, seemingly ready to handle the critique. Uh, hey, Angela. Oh, you look great. Uh, Cece and Phil's grandparents, they really wanted to see them. And you know how grandparents can be. <laughs> Angela frowns. No, I don't. Philip's grandparents never undermine my authority as a mother. Pam laughs off the remark, and Jim walks past the two of them to greet Daryl and the rest of the crew. Hey, Daryl, long time no see. Jim jokes. The two just saw each other at a recent athlete meeting in Austin, where Pam and Jim moved five years ago. Hey, Jim. So who's you leaving charge of the office while we were up here? Daryl says. Jim smiles with uncertainty. Uh, I thought you said you were gonna do it. Daryl looks horrified. You mean you didn't? So no one's running the office? Jim looks baffled and begins to fumble for his cell phone. What? I, I, I no, I thought. Daryl smiles. Just messing with you, man. Figured the joke would be on you for a change. Jim laughs. Ha <laughs> ha, that's so funny. Hey, everyone. The rest of the group waves to Jim. 
where's Michael and Holly, Dwight and Oscar, Ryan and Mindy? Jim asks. Kevin gives the update in his slow, measured tone. Dwight called and said Michael was helping him with something at True Farms. Holly's back at home with the kids. She says she was sorry she couldn't make it. Oscar is on the way. Since he won the Senate seat, he's always getting caught at meetings. And Ryan and Mindy disappeared after the wedding. At this, Kevin leans forward and whispers in a low tone, I heard they were after Ryan for child abandonment after he left that baby at the wedding, so they left the country. Jim nods. Okay, sounds about right. Where's the cake? Time passes and Oscar makes his way in, looking clean cut in a suit and tie. The group laughs and talks about time spent at the office. Crazy about Creed, huh? Daryl remarks. Angela quickly responds. I knew something was off about him when I saw him stuffing dirty underwear and passports into his desk one morning. Andy laughs a lot as at this. <laughs> Definitely not Cornell material. The group gives Andy a consoling laugh, and there's a bit of an awkward silence. Phyllis breaks the quiet by talking to Andy. Uh, so, how are things going for you, Andy? Andy sighs seemingly not noticing the awkwardness. Well, I figured out how to monetize the old YouTube, so the baby Wawa checks have been rolling in. I don't even get embarrassed about it anymore. Everyone repeats good-natured encouragement. The group knows it has been hard on Andy since the incident on America's Next Great Acapella Star, where Andy burst into tears and was labeled by the entire world as Baby Wawa. The conversation picks up again as the night winds down. Just when the group begins to think about calling it a night, Dwight and Michael walk into the meeting room. Michael's suit is slightly dirty, and Dwight has a sheen of sweat on his forehead. Pam runs up and gives Michael a hug. <laughs> Michael! God, we didn't think you were going to show up. Did you? Did you get in a fight? Michael laughs and rolls his eyes, badly lying. Ha ha, no we did not. He smiles at the camera as if concealing a secret. His smile falters when he sees Toby. You. What are you doing here? Toby answers quietly. I was invited, Michael. I worked here too. Michael throws up his hands. Oh, oh, you worked? Oh, please. You invited him? Well, let me tell you something. You will not. Jim grabs Michael's arm and hands him a small present. Oh, hey, Michael, look what we got you. Michael gives Toby one more look of suspicion and turns his attention to the present. I knew it'd work, Pam whispers to Jim. Perfectly, Jim whispers back. Angela walks up and regards Dwight closely. Is everything okay? Dwight, sensing unwanted attention, quickly wipes his forehead and straightens his shirt. Of course, dear. Everything's fine. He pulls a bottle of homemade moonshine from a bag he has carried in. 
Let us continue the festivities. Pam and Jim exchanged a glance, then shrugged as if to say, Why not? It's only for tonight. The group grabs cups, and Dwight pours everyone a shot. Angela looks on in disgust. Our son shouldn't have to witness this debauchery. I'm taking him home. Dwight rolls his eyes. That's fine, honey. Then he lowers himself to his son's eye level. I will see you at home, Philip. Mind your mother and be sure to milk the cows. Philip nods. Yes, father, he says. Dwight tousles his hair. boy, And tell Moles he can't sleep in the barn tonight. Dwight turns to the group as Angela and Philip leave. Let the party begin, he yells. The moonshine is incredibly strong. Daryl unpacks a keyboard and begins to play some of the latest hits from the radio. In a few hours, Phyllis is leaning on her husband, Bob, and Michael is yelling at the group. Remember when I kissed Oscar? (laughs) Ha ha, that was gross. Oscar gets nauseous at the thought. It was a nightmare. I still can't believe you did that. I was trying to prove a point, Michael says. Michael then turns to Andy, who was checking the numbers on a Baby Wawa video on YouTube. So whatever happened to that Aaron girl? I thought you two were nice together, Michael says. Andy sighs and sips from his cup. After the baby Wawa incident, I tried to contact her. Turns out her and that Pete guy got married, too. Michael slaps his knee. Oh my God, that is horrible. Well, I'm glad that didn't happen to me and Holly. I don't know what I'd do with myself. Andy grimaces and finishes his drink quickly before motioning with his hand. Uh, Dwight, hit me. Let me get another one. The party continues for a while until the group gets tired. One by one, they say their goodbyes and promise to meet up soon. Bob shakes Jim's hand and carries out a fully drunk Phyllis. Uh, It was nice seeing you, Jim and Pam, mumbles Phyllis. Now it is just Jim, Pam, Michael, Dwight, and Daryl left. They walk out of the meeting room and sit at the desks huddled in the middle of the office. Jim takes a seat at his first desk, and Pam sits at the receptionist's desk staring lovingly at him. Remember how much we used to stare at each other back then? Pam says. Yeah, I remember having to stare at you and Roy, Jim says. Ooh, ouch, says Michael. He's laying on top of an empty desk. Dwight is leaning in the doorway of Michael's old office, regarding the room with a grin. Shut up, Pam says. Okay, so it took me a while for me to make my mind up, but true love won out in the end. Daryl chimes in. Oh, wow. Do you know how irritating it was to watch you? It was painful. Shut up, Pam says again. Jim leans back in his old chair with his hands behind his head. You know, it's crazy to imagine that in the morning, a whole nother crew will walk in here tomorrow 
and get to work like nothing happened. Even though I'm happy with how things turned out, part of me is always sad when I leave this place. Like, does it really have to end? The group falls silent. What if it didn't? Says a slightly drunk Dwight. His eyes look even more maniacal in the gloom as they flick over to meet Michael's for a moment. Uh, what are you talking about? Pam asks. We haven't worked here for years and me, Jim, and Daryl live in Austin. Michael sits up slowly with a grin on his face. What if it didn't have to end? Pam looks a little afraid now. Uh, did you forget we have kids now? Dwight shakes his head. Not at all, he says. Jim sits up looking at Dwight's face. He's known him long enough to see when a plan is forming. Dwight, what are you talking about? Jim asks. Instead of answering him, Dwight turns toward Michael. Should we show him? Dwight asks. Michael, sensing the weight of the moment, relishes in the attention. Oh, I don't know, Dwight. They might be right. Pam is insistent now. Michael? Dwight? What did you do? Dwight has already put on his coat and is twirling his keys. Do you want to see something cool? He asks. The group piles into Dwight's SUV and he pulls out of the Dunder Mifflin driveway. For a moment they ride in silence, then Daryl speaks up. Dwight, what the hell is going on? Dwight cranks the radio and looks at Michael with that same maniacal look. I've got to show you or you won't believe it, Dwight says. Chapter 2 Shrew Farms has expanded over the years. Dwight, Mose, and his extended family have worked hard to turn the once dysfunctional farm into a well-cared-for facility. Barns stand in rows housing different cattle and pigs. Corn and tomatoes stand in rows waiting to be sold at the market. A silver building looms up on the left as they follow the path toward the back of the farm. Pam regards the building with a wary look. What's that? She asks. Dwight answers uninterestedly. Oh, that's the slaughterhouse. It was closer to the house, but little Philip kept having nightmares from the screams of the sheep being slaughtered. Angela made me rebuild it. Oh, okay, Pam says. They reach a barn close to the edge of the compound. Instead of huge doors, there stands one sleek security door, closed with a keypad visible. Dwight removes his glasses and allows the keypad to scan his eye before barking a word into the keypad. Bell Snickle! Jim snickers. 
that creepy Santa guy? Jim asks. You will not insult the Bellisnickel, Dwight Whisper yells. He then thumbs in a long key code sequence. Daryl regards this with interest. Uh, what's with all the security? Daryl asks. As the door opens, Michael and Dwight walk forward into the gloom, leaving Dwight's voice to echo outward. You'll see, Dwight says. Chapter 3 They all crowd inside and wince as the lights turn on. Instead of feces-covered horse stalls, everything is sleek and metal. The group walks down a narrow aisle and Dwight hands them goggles and gloves for safety but don't touch anything Dwight says he leads them past tanks filled with liquid and cages that look as though they held animals then he leads them to the back of the barn a wide circle stands dug into the metal floor with a guardrail marked with yellow and black caution paint surrounding it a gun that looks like a failed Nerf dart experiment hangs from a rack on the wall encased in thick glass. Pam asks first, Dwight, what is all this? Dwight stands next to Michael with his hands behind his back and his head held proudly high. Have you ever heard of interdimensional travel? Dwight asks. Like from Rick and Morty? Daryl jokes. Dwight doesn't smile. Something like that, Dwight says, rolling his eyes. Now it's Michael's turn to let the cat out of the bag. Mm, Dwight made a portal gun. The group is dumbfounded. You made a portal gun, Jim asks. Dwight rolls his eyes again. Well, if you want to refer to it with such an archaic name, I suppose you could. I prefer Interdimensional Travel Device, or ID. How in the world did you afford to do that? Pam asks. Within the first years of Shoot Farms operating, we were in the black, and profit was enormous. After saving and building up the facility, I decided to dedicate funds my only love second to beat farming interdimensional travel of course the first experiments were failures but we finally had a breakthrough last year I had to design all wrong until as you mentioned I made some changes based on that silly cartoon Rick and Morty of course a real id is not so simple to operate but it's the same basic idea if you stand within the radius of the id and set the correct dimension, it will transport you to one of the infinite realities in our planes of existence. Michael and I have only begun to explore, but we found over 300 different realities of Dunder Mifflin alone. As it turns out, only in three realities have people gone their separate ways as we all have. Silence from the group, then Daryl speaks again. Wait, so what happens if you meet yourself in another dimension? Wouldn't that throw off the whole space-time continuum or some shit? 
Impossible, Dwight replies. Unlike movies and the dribble they show on Adult Swim, once you enter another dimension, you assume control of your alternate self until you travel back to your own dimension. Or unless your alternate self is dead. Who else knows about this? Jim asks. Dwight looks at him solemnly. No one at the moment but you. If the U.S. government were to find out about this, they would surely confiscate my machine and use it for their own purposes. This is why only you few have been shown this. Well, Daryl wasn't part of the plan, but Michael thought it'd be fun. Michael grins. My idea... So what kind of stuff do you guys do at these alternate realities, Jim asks. Much of the same things we did at our own Dunder Mifflin, Dwight replies. Out of 300 realities, almost all of the paper companies are failing, and they all need help selling and dealing with day-to-day problems. We visit each location, assume control of our alternates, and help where we can. Don't they remember you? Pam asks. No. When you assume control of an alternate, they have no memory of the day. We take great care to only assume control of alternates in different realities each time so as not to cause confusion. Tonight we are visiting Office Reality 229. Would you like to join us? Jim and Pam exchange worried looks. Is this thing safe? Jim says. As safe as interdimensional teleportation can be, Dwight says with a smile. Look, the choice is yours, but we should hurry. The workday in 229 starts in approximately 30 minutes and my alternate has a ton of work to do. Jim looks over at Pam. What do you think, Beasley? He says using Pam's last name before they were married. I think this is unbelievable, possibly dangerous, and really stupid. But you said you wished it didn't have to end, right? Jim smiles. That I did. In the background, Dwight has begun pressing knobs and buttons. The yellow and black safety bars have raised. Dwight presses a keypad and unlocks the box containing the id. He aims it at the circle, cut into the floor, configures the correct reality, and fires. A bluish-purple ring descends from the top of the cylinder that surrounds the ring cut into the floor. As it lowers, a shimmering blue portal emerges with a low, pulsating humming noise. Daryl is already walking up to the portal, his mind made up. He looks back at Jim and Pam. You coming? He asks. Dwight and Michael look at them as well. You really do need to decide. If you don't, I'll need time to wipe your memories of this place's existence. Dwight yells over the humming noise. What? Pam says. Before Dwight can repeat himself, Jim yells a question. What about the kids? Won't we be gone all night? Michael answers now. Time moves different over there. Over here, we'll only be gone for five minutes. Satisfied, 
Jim takes one last look at Pam. Then the two lock hands and walk toward the portal. Dwight yells out final instructions. It's very important you don't say anything to any of your alternates. Learn what's normal there by observing and use your natural skill set to help where you can. At the end of the workday, we'll meet up in the parking lot. I've already set up another barn at most of my shoot farm locations, so we'll drive there. I thought we weren't supposed to tell anyone, Jim yells. Most of my alternates are already familiar with the idea of interdimensional travel. We were all expecting this, Dwight says. Okay, on three, Michael yells. One, two, three. The group steps into the portal. For a moment, everything is bathed in blue. Then the portal closes, and the facility is empty again. Except for Mose, who's been watching the whole thing in the corner. Mose walks over to a monitor and puts a pair of goggles on then begins staring intently at a screen showing readouts in front of him. To be continued.